Welcome to New Leadership Virtual Summit, brought to you today by the Public Speakers Association. I'm so excited to introduce you the amazing Mr. Fox Fire. Fox, why don't you take it from here? Thank you, Tanya. And I'd like you all uh, to, to go on this ride with me uh, today. So recently, I celebrated yet another anniversary of my 21st birthday. And it was, was really cool uh, because my sister put a, on a party for me at my parents' place. And it was a combined costume party along with my birthday. And I can recall getting dressed up that day. I, I, I was Prince Rogers Nelson. Uh, for for Halloween this year, and uh, for once I actually had some hair, and I I got into my blue suit, or purple suit, purple suit rather, and into my car, and I drove over to my parents' house, which is not far from from where I live, and I thought to myself, I wonder what people are thinking when they pass me on the road on this Saturday afternoon in my costume. And I pull up into the driveway, and I go in through the back door in the laundry room. It's, it's, their home is my safe place. You walk in, it's warm, you smell food, um, and I hope, if you're listening, you have that safe place as well. So go there. I was really excited uh, about this day. And I walked into the dining area where my sister had put all of these pictures of me throughout the years, from infancy all the way up to the age I am now. And some were cute. Um, one showed me as an infant, a newborn. Um, another, first or second day of preschool with chubby cheeks and curls in my hair. Um, Another next to the Washington Monument as a six-year-old. And then things just got weird. I saw a picture of myself in the third grade, a school picture where it was obvious that I hadn't fixed my hair in the morning. I was wearing a collared shirt with a white T-shirt under it, uh, I guess to cover my chest hair, but in those days it nine years old, I didn't have any chest hair. And then a couple others, one that included a sixth grade picture of me with huge glasses and buck teeth and hair that was cut but not styled. Um, another with buck teeth and huge glasses with hair neatly cropped. Another showed me in the fall of 1993 as a freshman in high school with big glasses short brown hair and pimples all over my face, along with braces. And then things went on, a couple more pictures of me in high school, where it was, there it was evident that I was getting more comfortable with myself. And then on to the college years with the baseball team, when I wore pants that showed about six or eight inches of my sock. That was the style back then in the late 90s and early 2000s. But it was only the style if you had calves. People who know me and have seen me know that 
I am so skinny that when I turn sideways, you can't see me. So that style really wasn't appropriate for me. So anyway, I'm going around the room and I'm looking at all these pictures of me throughout the years. And I'm thinking about what I was thinking about in those days when the pictures were taken. My late middle school years and early high school years, I had a classmate that would yell out the phrase crippled creep as I walked by him in the hallway. You see, I'm a guy that was born with cerebral palsy. And I've had numerous surgeries to correct my crooked walk. Reconstructive heel cord surgery, reconstructive hamstring surgery, reconstructive hip surgery. And he thought it would be funny to point out my crooked gait by shouting out the phrase crippled creep. Notice the alliteration between the two C sounds. So for some English teachers, that's alliteration. I've also had, also had during my middle school and high school years, someone called me and called me a far-sided F up. That F is a four-letter word. I was born cross-eyed, and I've had many surgeries since to correct my crossed vision. I got two or three surgeries, and after the third surgery, not to be funny about it, things were looking good. Until... I was throwing up a baseball at my grandmother's house. I fell back and I hit my head. And my vision went back to the way it was before the surgery. So I went back into surgery a few weeks later. And to make a long story short, that surgeon is now in jail for malpractice. And the end result is today. When I look at you, it looks like I'm not looking at you with both eyes at the same time. So as a school teacher nowadays, I make sure to call on the student's name um, as I look at them and point to them, because 99.9% .9 of the time, they don't know what I'm looking at, especially when I'm not wearing my glasses and I'm wearing my contact lenses. In the seventh grade, I can recall running around the track in gym class, and we were timed in doing so. And while getting changed in the locker room, a classmate of mine is going around comparing his time with ours. He gets to me. I begin to say my time. And he tells me, you don't count. I realized then that I didn't run very well. Someone told my mother, when I was an adult, they said, hey, Fox is very handsome. But if you want to make him look most handsome in pictures, make sure you take pictures of him that don't show him below his waist. So I stepped back. I thought about all of these things for a second. And I thought, why am I smiling right now? Why do I feel so good inside, in spite of all these things?
Well, I'll tell you the people that made me feel like I was something. Mr. Ranger was my 10th grade language arts teacher. He was a ball of fire. All of us have had that teacher that just senses the class is unprepared. He just knows or they know that you haven't done your homework. And one particular day, we're reading a book called A Raisin in the Sun. I don't know if you know it. If you do, hopefully it strikes a chord. We're, writing, we're reading this book in class, and he's looking around at all the poor body language. He stops for a second, and he says, let me ask you all a question. He said, raise your hand if you didn't do your homework last night. About eight of us, including me, raised our hands. And he said, I tell you all what. I want you to get up, pregnant pause, and get the hell out. So about eight of us did. I was afraid of Mr. Ranger. Until one day, I'm sitting in my study skills class, and I hear a knock at the classroom door. I look up and I could see Mr. Ranger. And he gives me a thumbs up, waves at me, and mouths to me, are you doing okay? That's all I needed to hear. I understood then that he cared about me. And from then on, all I wanted to do in his class was to make him proud of me. There was Coach Chambers. Coach Chambers was my seventh grade math teacher and eventual high school baseball coach. And I can recall going into his room as a 13-year-old kid and seeing all these posters on the wall. And they were of the got milk variety. Most of you may know, famous athlete that would have a milk mustache on these posters and it read below it, got milk, question mark. And he had seven or eight of these posters around the room. Got milk, got milk, got milk, got milk, got milk. And I recall thinking, I ain't got no milk. What he did was he whited out the milk portion and put meth. I don't know about you, but I dislike math. I dislike it so much that I'll tell you this terrible joke about math. I did an algebra once, algebra, algebra problem once, and I got Ohio for an answer. And I'm thinking about all of this stuff, and I'm looking at all of these got milk, now got math posters that Coach Chambers whited out and put math onto it. And I, I see another poster, and it's a big paragraph. And Coach has whited out the last two sentences, and he put, overall, the classroom is a safe place. I looked at it. And immediately thought, it's safe. I'm safe from crippled creep. 
I'm safe from far-sighted F-up. I do count. He was the teacher in school that I had lunch with every day. And to this day, I can picture that poster. And I can picture his favorite band, Led Zeppelin, playing in the background. There was Mr. Foley. He was my 12th grade English teacher. He was in his 70s at the time. He had a great reading voice. And he would, he would replace words with his own words. For example, if he read the word surpri- surprised, he would always say suppretzled. I can recall him reading to us as 12th graders in class and seeing a cuss word about three or four lines down. Anxiously, I awaited him to get to that word. And instead of saying the word ass, he said arse. And as 18-year-old kids, we all laughed. I loved his class. I had great respect for that man. Like Coach Chambers and Mr. Ranger, I wanted to make him proud of me. Later on in my senior year, as I was enjoying a very successful baseball season, both as a team and individually, I was pitching in a game. And I was acting like an immature piece of garbage. I was being an embarrassment to my family. I was being an embarrassment to my teammates. I was being an embarrassment to my coach, Coach Chambers, who told me the classroom was a safe place. And he made me feel like somebody. I was not representing him very well. And by some dumb luck, Coach Chambers let me go out for the second inning to pitch. I went two balls and no strikes on the leadoff hitter. I stepped off the pitching rubber and I looked behind home plate. It was Mr. Foley. He had taken the time to walk five minutes to the field to watch me pitch. And this is the way that I acted in front of him, acting like an immature piece of garbage. He looked at me, waved at me, tilted his head as if to say, I know this isn't who you are right now. So clean up your act. And I'm behind you no matter what. I can recall what he was wearing. Corduroy pants with a white collared shirt and a yellow sweater. A few years later, Mr. Foley passed away. I was still in college on the baseball team, and I wrote the word suppretzled under my baseball cap. That was my way of making him watch over me. And to this day as a coach, 
I always think of him as I begin to lose my cool. There was Senor Garceran, my seventh grade Spanish teacher. This man was 50 years old, tan, with perfect hair, a perfect mustache, and a perfect physique. From the island of Cuba, Julio Garceran, at 50 years old, would get up and box at 3.30 in the morning. He would spar with 20-year-olds before he came and taught 13-year-olds. He would stand in front of the room and do these unbelievable boxing combinations that got me scared out of my mind. I thought to myself, I can't box, and I have no idea what you're saying. Then one day in class, he asked a question. And he told us to write the answer down on the index card that he gave us. I did. And in the back row, Senor called on me. Again, I was this pimple-faced, cross-legged, cross-eyed kid, careful to pick up my feet so I wouldn't trip and fall in front of the cute girl in the front row. I got to Senor nervously, gave him the index card, and he looked at me and said, you're going to go places. I could not get enough of his class. Like Mr. Ranger and Coach Chambers and Mr. Foley, I wanted to make him proud of me. There's Coach Tanner, a college baseball coach. He knew how to push my buttons. As a freshman in college, I was a manager on the baseball team. I did players' laundry. I doctored up baseballs. I set up the field for batting practice. I was bat boy during games. I loved it, and I'd go back in a second. But this particular day, my freshman year, I was exhausted. And the skipper knew it. Like I said, he knew how to push my buttons. This particular day, I had class. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Hustled down, got a bite to eat, set up the field for practice. He saw I could barely stay awake. He looked at me, and he said, hey, Stumpy. I bet you can't throw the speed limit. I got all ticked off, threw down whatever I was doing, grabbed another coach, got a radar gun, and threw a ball 51 miles an hour, threw another 54 miles an hour, then threw one 58 miles an hour. I have never seen or heard Coach Tanner laugh so hard before or since. A few weeks later, we're finishing up practice. I'm right behind Coach Tanner, around a bunch of scouts and other coaches, when he turned to me and he said, we appreciate what you do for us. That's all I needed to hear. And that's why a few years later, during the ninth inning of a game we were losing against Miami that could put us into the College World Series, I couldn't control my emotions because I was afraid my coach, someone who told me that he appreciated me, was going to be fired. Look, it is my belief that there are always going to be people on this planet 
that antagonize you because of how comfortable you are with the way that you look or how you lead your life. And I don't think there's any one way to deal with them. But I want y'all, I want to give y'all a couple options that I've learned. One is wit and humor. A few years back, a student of mine, actually not a student of mine, but he was not someone I had in class, would come and have lunch with me as I teach high school Spanish. He didn't take Spanish. And this particular student struggled with drugs and alcohol for a number of years, probably from the sixth grade up until the 10th grade. And then he, he beat his addiction through sheer, sheer will. And I asked him one day, I said, hey, why do you come in here? And he said, prof, it's because this classroom is a safe place for me. And immediately I thought of Coach Chambers. He also told me once how he dealt with somebody who was getting on his case and calling him pothead and blazehead. He simply looked at them and said, what are you gaining out of this? They couldn't respond. I've learned from this. Some years ago, when I first got contact lenses, someone who knew me very well and knew my eye situation looked at me and said, dude, your eyes are effed up. Sheepishly, I look at him and said, you've known me your whole life. You know that. Have you gone blind? Another way to approach these people, I feel, that antagonize you is with honesty. Nick Vujicic from Australia, the no arms, no legs, no worries guy, tells a story in one of his speeches of a bully that was antagonizing him. Every time he went by Nick in the hallway, he said, hey, there's Nick. He has no, and you can imagine what he said. Nick went up to him and said, hey, my man, every time you walk by me, you say exactly this. I want to let you know that it hurts me, and I'm asking you to stop. Maybe you're that person that can respond with honesty. The next advice was given to me by my sister. You see, past the age of 25, I don't believe that people change in terms of mental makeup too much. So my advice for those people to get getting antagonized is not to throw an olive branch out there, but to simply pick up whatever you're doing and leave. Give those people that are antagonizing you the gift of your absence. That 20 anniversary of my 21st birthday was my 40th birthday. There are always going to be people that antagonize me. That's why I get professional help. And through this person, I have learned a lot. Best thing that I have learned, although, is this that we all have a right to our feelings. But if we understand that and know that, we are obligated to do something about it. 
I am so grateful to have had leaders in my life, like Coach Tanner, like Coach Chambers, like Mr. Foley, like Mr. Ranger, and like Senor Garceran, people who made me feel like somebody, who made me forget about the way that I looked. They made me confident. They made me relax. They made me a better student. They've made me a better teacher. And they've made me a better person. So on the topic of leadership, I think we need more leaders that empower their students, that empower their employees, and that empower their players, and let them know that they are somebody. Because I believe when you know that you're somebody, you relax. When you know that you are somebody, you are confident. And when you know that you are somebody, you're just flat out better. I'm Fox Buyer, and to get in touch with me, you can go to my website, which is foxbuyer.com, F-O-X-B-E-Y-E-R.com. Message me off my website, and I'd like to offer you a free copy of my book of motivational poetry called Letter Kindling, Igniting, Inspiring, and Evoking the Fire Within. Additionally, if you feel like my words could help your team, your class, or your organization, I'd love the opportunity to help you. Tanya, back to you. Thank you.